Today is May 17th, 2021, and our first story. We are facing a global economic crisis as shortages loom in almost every industry. Demand is skyrocketing, but supply is limited. People are refusing to work, and many are concerned that Joe Biden continually giving more and more money will disincentivize workers, leading to an extended economic crisis. In our next story, a member of the Space Force, an officer, called out the escalation of Marxism in the military and for this was fired. The only issue was that this officer is correct and it may get worse. And our last story, a suburb in Minneapolis has just voted to reform their police department, creating unarmed traffic enforcement at a time when violent crime is skyrocketing and residents fear for their safety. Before we get started, leave us a good review. Give us five stars. And if you really like the show, please share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. We're in the midst of an escalating global economic crisis. Bloomberg reports the world economy is suddenly running low on everything. It is anything but efficient or normal. At the national level, we're not seeing too many stories about this. But when I look at local outlets, we can see that there's a shortage of chicken, a shortage of beef, a shortage of general supplies. And Bloomberg says it's basically because we experienced some kind of large or great reset of the global economy. You see, last year when they shut everything down, the analogy people use is like a freight train just stopping instantly and every cart just flies off the track. You can't just start things back up. As the restrictions are starting to ease, demand is skyrocketing. But people aren't working right now, so there's not much to actually buy. And why aren't people working? Well, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, as most of you know, said that Joe Biden giving out $300 in expanded unemployment benefits is incentivizing people not to work. And if you don't work, there's no stuff to buy. So when there's tons of money flooding the economy, but a massive shortage, well, then demand is skyrocketing and inflation goes along with it. Now we're learning that Joe Biden plans to give more benefits, which is leading many to fear the, the crisis is only going to get worse. People are going to be spending as much as they can to try and get what little there is and prices will just go nuts. And the weird thing about all of this, at the same time, I'm not seeing New York Times or The Atlantic or The Washington Post or even The Wall Street Journal say in Atlanta, in, Colum in Columbus, in, in Nebraska, we're seeing food shortages. No, what I'm seeing is a bunch of stories like cicadas are coming. Let's eat the bugs. Let us eat the bugs and live in the pod, they say. Well, I think for very simple reasons, you shouldn't eat cicadas because they're bugs out of the ground and they're not produced in clean facilities. I can't, I, I, I'm shocked to see news outlets saying you should just grab cicadas and eat them. You don't know what, the, what parasites or what nasty garbage is in them. Now, to be fair, I think eating bugs is fantastic. I, I'm, if you don't want to eat bugs, fine. I just think it's kind of weird that people would be like, I'm not going, you know, you know what? Grow up. Life is not easy. Now, if you got a farm and you got the meat, by all means, eat it. But we know that many of these climate change activists have been arguing for people to start eating bugs and eating less meat. Recently, there was a report that suggested we should cut down our red meat consumption by 90%. And somehow this translated to the accusation that Joe Biden wanted to restrict meat. 
The Biden administration is not going to be restricting our access to meat, but they're going to be advocating for it for sure. Plant-based alternatives and cell culture meat. More and more of these stories are popping up saying we should do it. I got no problem eating bugs. I just think it's insane. They're telling you to eat the bugs out of the ground. And I would certainly say it's weird that the media at the same time is advocating for this when we're seeing these shortages. I want to show you real quick before we start just something, something a little different. A post from my Instagram near where I live. There is a barbecue joint, a little stop, a little, little, uh, little place to go get some, some meat. And I went there recently and they had this sign up that read, due to the huge price increase on beef this week, stemming from the gas shortage, we will not be serving brisket until it levels off. The supplies have doubled our price per pound. I don't feel comfortable charging the amount needed to just break even. Sorry, Gary. I saw this and I didn't see, where's the news about, a, about beef prices skyrocketing? I don't see it anywhere. Like I mentioned, local outlets telling us chicken shortages. I don't see the news at the national level. Instead, they're just saying, eat the bugs. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe it's not shocking enough. I'm not entirely sure. But let's talk about what's going on and take a look at what's happening with this global, these global uh, uh, supply shortages and how Joe Biden might actually, well, I think Joe Biden is going to make it worse. And then I'll show you what the media is saying about why you should eat the bugs, because my friends, there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens of articles all saying the same thing. And maybe this is the new reality. Maybe the reality is we're not going to be able to get the meats we want. Well, actually, I will because I live near farms and there's tons of meat. But in your cities? No, it's time you live in the pod and eat the bugs, so they say. Before we get started, however, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support my work in the event that I get banned or suspended, which is entirely possible. If you guys have been paying attention, you see what they're doing to Steven Crowder. This is where you will be able to find my work. So just go to TimCast.com, click members only, and you can sign up and get access to the members area with tons of exclusive content. But most importantly, it's a safety net to make sure that if they ever ban my channel or in the event that even I get a strike, if I get a strike, I can't upload for a week. This is where you'll be able to find my content. So don't forget to like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let's read. Let's 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 read some of these stories. I want to point out now I, I'm, I showed you my Instagram post where this local joint says we don't got any beef. The price doubled. We also got the story from DC East, Washington, D.C. News on May 14th. Nearly 90 percent of gas stations in D.C. are without fuel. Now, I found this story interesting, but this was what, Friday? It was interesting, but we knew the Colonial Pipeline uh, uh, hack resulted in a supply disruption. They said it was all panic buying. Everybody was buying up in a panic, so there was no gas. Okay. well, what we learned is that a week prior, Colonial paid the ransom around five million dollars to reactivate their systems three hours after the hack took place. Why was the pipeline then shut down? Did this disrupt supplies? Is the media and the government being honest? I'm not entirely convinced they are. Now, they, re- they, they said that they paid the ransom right away. But why did we then for a week, why were we told supplies were being disrupted? We heard from the government, from the, from the DHS, there was no supply shortage. All right. As of the 17th, This morning, many D.C. gas stations still running dry. Now, Maryland and Virginia are improving. They're saying around 88 percent of I'm sorry, they say this as of Monday, the navigation app 
Gas Buddy reports the majority of the district stations, 67%, were still out of gas. It is an improvement over Sunday night's figure of 88%. But why is that happening? I thought this wasn't a supply shortage. You mean to tell me that people filled up their gas tanks last week, we saw a supply shortage, and then they drove around, burned all that gas off, and, and kept buying more and more and more? Or what? I thought deliveries were coming in. Did everybody just wait until the gas pumps open and then buy it all up again? Maybe, maybe, or maybe they're not being so forthcoming. And the reality is there is just a major economic crisis happening right now and a massive supply chain disruption. It very well may be that there is gas. We just can't get it where it needs to go. And too many people are demanding things at once, which when you add in inflation creates a runaway effect and then potentially economic collapse. Well, here's the story from Bloomberg. They report a year ago, as the pandemic ravaged country after country and economies shuttered, consumers were the ones panic buying. Today, on the rebound, it's companies furiously trying to stock up. Mattress producers to car manufacturers to aluminum foil makers are buying more material than they need to survive the breakneck speed at which demand for goods is recovering and assuage the primal fear of running out. The frenzy is pushing supply chains to the brink of seizing up. Shortages, transportation bottlenecks, and price spikes are nearing the highest levels in recent memory, raising concern that a supercharged global economy will stoke inflation. I wonder. I wonder if this is just short-term perspective. When you go back a year, we all kind of knew this was going to happen. And now that it's happening, instead of saying this is going to get worse and the crisis is going to spiral out of control, they're just saying, oh, it's just demand. No, 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 no. The bigger picture is apparent. It's in front of us. Mass spending, shuttering the economy instantly. And now the bill comes due, not just the inflation, but that train you knocked off the rails. Like many of us were saying, you can't just upright. And now it's happening. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today. And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or give them a call at 877-646-5347. Again, that number is 877-646-5347. People panic buy at the ground level, and then the stores run dry. And the manufacturers are now being hit, and they panic buy. And now the suppliers are running dry. That will ripple back to the people, to the cities, to the stores, 
and it will create a runaway effect where people keep panic buying. Don't panic buy. But because of inflation, people are. You see how this is becoming a sort of runaway effect? Because, the, because of inflation, because money is being printed like crazy, just given out, people are concerned that their money won't be worth anything in the next week, two weeks, or month, or year. So they want to spend it now. So they rush out to stores, are buying up, buying up as much as they can, but the manufacturers still can't get supplies. Eventually, the system snaps because it just keeps getting worse. Bloomberg reports copper, iron ore, steel, corn, coffee, wheat, soybeans, lumber, semiconductors, plastic, and cardboard for packaging. The world is seemingly low on all of it. You name it, and we have a shortage on it. Tom Linebarger, chairman and chief executive of engine and generator manufacturer Cummins Inc., said on a call this month, clients are trying to get everything they can because they see high demand. Jennifer Rumsey, the Columbus, the, um, the Columbus Indiana-based company's president, said they think it's going to extend into next year. The difference between the big crunch of 2021 and past supply disruptions is the sheer magnitude of it. And the fact that there is, as far as anyone can tell, no clear end in sight, big or small, few businesses are spared. Europe's largest fleet of trucks, Gerteca Logistics, says there's been a struggle to find enough capacity. Monster Beverage Corp of Corona, California, is dealing with an aluminum can scarcity. Hong Kong's Momax Technology LTD is delaying production of a new product because of a dearth of semiconductors. Let me just pause. Over a month ago, I ordered one little old workstation for the studio. And I ordered it for expedited delivery because we are trying to upgrade our systems, get an AV guy in to help fix and and improve the IRL podcast. It's been a month and a half. And I was told or longer. And they said, don't worry, don't worry. Once the chips come in, we'll have your machine built. And they've offered up weaker machines and said, we can help you. And I was like, look, I'm just going to wait until we can get the supplies we need. And they keep saying it's coming, it's coming. It's not. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when they can build the computer. Now, things that are already in stock, like laptops, we're able to get. But they are in short supply. And they've been in short supply. Since last year, it's been increasingly difficult to get audiovisual equipment. And now I'm worried what's going to happen in the next year because it's only getting worse. I don't know what people should or shouldn't do. I'm not going to play this game where I tell you what is right or what is wrong in terms of, you know, what you should know about. Uh, my, my fear is that many in the media are going to withhold this information from you because they think the rabble's too stupid and they'll panic by. I mentioned this last week. It may be the case, but uh, I don't think my role is to make determinations about what people should or shouldn't do. You know, often these journalists will just whisper to their friends and family, go buy it now while you still can. And they won't tell you the truth, which makes me wonder about why I'm not seeing more stories about beef prices or food shortages. That freaks me out. I report on it last week that local outlets are saying there's a chicken shortage at these restaurants. They can't get the food. But at the national level, I'm just seeing stories about eating cicadas. And then I go only a few minutes away and there's a barbecue joint and they're like, sorry, no brisket today. But they did have chicken. Well, shortages of chickens in some areas and, uh, the price of beef is too high in others. We recently went out to a local farm in order to get some local meats. And apparently they were saying that one of the one of the regulatory agencies was restricting the amount they could actually sell. So they were unable to deliver beef for, for some time and it was driving the prices up. It's all connected. 
when the gas shortage happens, transportation costs increase. It's harder to deliver products. Then there's a shortage. Then there's people getting tons of money and spending as much as they can. And there's another aspect. I mean, look, if you go to a store right now and someone's like, I got one pound of beef and I can sell it. And someone says, I'll give you 20 bucks. And someone says, I'll give you 30. I'll give you 40 because the people have tons of money, but there's not enough supplies. The price just keeps going up. Bloomberg said, further exacerbating the situation is an usually long and growing list of calamities that have rocked commodities in recent months. A freak accident in the Suez Canal backed, backed up global shipping in March. Drought has wreaked havoc upon agricultural crops. A deep freeze and mass blackout wiped out energy and petrochemicals operations across the central U.S. in February. Less than two weeks ago, hackers brought down the largest fuel pipeline in the U.S., driving gasoline prices over $3 a gallon for the first time since 2014. Now India's massive COVID-19 outbreak is threatening its biggest ports. Did you know that California is in a massive drought right now, and they're responsible for a large portion of produce in the United States and around the world. This will reach you. It's kind of freaky, to be completely honest. But you look at what's happening. There's not, it's not just the economy being smacked in the face by the lockdowns from these politicians. It's that people aren't working right now. So there's a shortage of goods. There's environmental crisis. There's a lack of energy. And people are getting more and more money and not working and buying up as much as they can. The economy is being strangled. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't imagine it's going to last much longer. So I don't know what Elon Musk and these other people are doing. Crypto is certainly down a bit. But me, I'm personally bullish on crypto because I can't imagine what the dollar is going to be worth as Biden just spends more and more and more. They say, for anyone who thinks this is all going to end in a few months, consider the somewhat obscure U.S. economic indicator known as the Logistics Managers Index. The gauge is built on a monthly survey of corporate supply chiefs that ask where they see inventory, transportation, and warehouse expenses. The three key components of managing supply chains now and in 12 months. The current index is at its second highest level in records dating back to 2016. And the future gauge shows little respite a year from now. The index has proven unnervingly accurate in the past, matching up with actual costs about 90% of the time. To Zach Rogers, who helps compile the index as an assistant professor at Colorado State University's College of Business, it's a paradigm shift. In the past, those three areas were optimized for low costs and reliability. Today, with e-commerce demand soaring, warehouses have moved from the cheap outskirts of urban areas to prime parking garages downtown or vacant department store spaces where deliveries can be made quickly, albeit with pricier real estate, labor, and utilities. Once viewed as liabilities before the pandemic, fatter inventories are in vogue. Transport costs more volatile than the other two won't lighten up until demand does. Essentially, what people are telling us is to expect that it's going to be hard to get supply up to a place where it matches demand. And because of that, we are going to continue to see some price increases over the next 12 months. My friends, pay attention to what they're saying to you in terms of the business. Prices will be going up. They're not talking about Joe Biden policy or unemployment benefits. They're talking specifically about supply. They're talking specifically about how the, the, the infrastructure works. I give you the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. They say, the disappointing jobs report makes it clear that paying people not to work is dampening what should be a stronger jobs market. We need a comprehensive approach to dealing with our workforce issues and the very real threat 
Unified positions poses to our economic recovery from the pandemic. One step policymakers should take now is ending the $300 weekly supplemental unemployment benefit. Based on the chamber's analysis, the $300 benefit results in approximately one in four recipients taking home more in unemployment than they earned working. Some estimates say around $16 per hour. So we've heard it already. The economy was shuttered. They're trying to get things back on track. We now know that there is a shortage of workers, and this is one of the reasons why. With 8 million job openings and only 266,000 new jobs created, how do we get stuff if no one is making stuff? We then hear from industry saying, we don't got enough stuff. That's not all bad. I mean, I think a lot of people in this country and in this world, especially in America, are gluttonous and lazy. Many of these city dwellers demanding that people who live in the country do the hard manual labor to supply them with the goods so they can live lavish lifestyles. It's very much like the Hunger Games. I tell you, when I walked into the vice offices, my first New York media job, seeing people barely working, but getting paid 50 grand, I was like, wow, because I knew people who do backbreaking labor and get paid 10 bucks an hour. Well, maybe these people will now have to understand what it means to work a real job. Well, unfortunately for us, they're not doing that. They're just demanding more free stuff. And unfortunately, Joe Biden, the president, is going to give them exactly that. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, in my opinion, is right. People need to work to make things so we can get things back on track. Maybe now people will learn some personal responsibility. Maybe now there will be a shock to the system when people realize those in big cities and those who vote for Joe Biden, well, they're being given money for nothing. Here we go. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce says, stop giving this money. Joe Biden says, hold my beer. I'll do the opposite. Biden will start spending monthly, sending monthly checks of up to $300 to 39 million families with children under the age of 16 from July 15th under expanded tax credit. They say qualified families will receive a payment of up to $300 per month for each child, for each child under six and up to $250 per month for children between the ages of six and 17. This means annual benefits for parents could reach upwards of $3,000 per kid, depending on their age. Wow. Do they mean per family? The child tax credit was previously capped at $2,000 and only paid up to families with income tax obligations after they filed with the IRS. The payments for millions of American families are part of President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package, which he signed in mid-March and will go into effect this summer. The plan in part extended the child tax credit for one year in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. It also made it possible for the Treasury Department to prepay the benefits to families on a monthly basis. Quote, the American Rescue Plan is delivering critical tax relief to middle class and hard pressed working families with children. The White House wrote in a statement on the news Monday with today's announcement, about 90 percent of families with children will get this new tax relief automatically starting July. This means more money into the system. Look, I'm, I'm all I'm, I'm all for the working class being helped out. But I think this is a trick. I don't believe Joe Biden is helping the, the middle class. I think he's hurting them. I think this is a massive tax on the working class. The mass just giving out tons of money in this unemployment benefit is just inflating the currency and extracting value from those who produce. If there's only so much food, printing money won't make more food. Think about it this way. You have 100 people. The 100 people all have a job. Their jobs 
contribute in some way to the production of food units. 100 people working. You got some who plant the seeds, some who water the seeds, some who harvest the seeds. Well, one day, Joe Biden announces, I'm going to give everybody unemployment benefits. Everyone's going to get $300 extra. Now a bunch of people stop working. You still got some, some of the people planting the seeds, but the people who water the plants are sitting at home and they're saying, why should I have to work? I'm getting tons of money. Now their income is all going up. They have tons and tons of money, but the food units are not being produced. What happens then at the store when there normally would be 100 units of food? There's only now 30. But of those 100 people, they all have the same amount of money. They all start fighting over what little food there is because some people aren't working. Money is being created. Products are not, which says to me, the shortages will only get worse. The prices will only increase. And then you add in all these natural disasters, the drought. You add, well, not, not just natural disasters, but disasters like the drought and the blocking of the Suez Canal, the colonial pipeline. And we have every reason to expect that we are going to be facing a deluge of mass inflation and product shortages. I could be wrong about all that. Don't take advice from me. I'm just some dude. I'm reading these stories and I'm saying this is what it looks like. Some of these things are definitive, like from Bloomberg, the shortages are real. But it's not all going to hit at once. We're seeing it's a tsunami, right? It sweeps through the cities. So me personally, I'm looking at precious metals and I'm looking at cryptocurrency. People are saying, oh, but Tim, crypto is way down. Oh, uh, Elon Musk says Bitcoin is bad. I don't care. I don't care what Elon Musk thinks. The guy has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to this, or he's just manipulating the market. The way I see it is the dip happened. Great. I'll get more at a premium because I think Bitcoin's going to hit a million bucks. Maybe I'm wrong. You don't got to take advice from me. In fact, you shouldn't. But this is what I'm looking at. Yahoo News posting from Axios. Fear grows. Biden is doing too much too fast. They say some economists fear that all of this spending will crank up inflation and put Biden's economic legacy at risk. Oh, his legacy. You see this in complaints by employers, along with some early data and loads of anecdotal evidence that people aren't taking jobs because of the boost to unemployment benefits. You see this in the news that budget deficits in states weren't nearly as bad as expected. Let the good times roll, says an L.A. Times headline this weekend. Gusher of stimulus funds, a gift for corona for governors like Gavin Newsom. Yet Biden still wants to spend more. Larry Summers, who was Treasury Treasury Secretary under President Bill Clinton and started warning about inflation in February, told Axios he's more concerned than he was several months ago. Data are pointing more towards higher inflation than expected and sooner. The other side, the White House contends that more Americans will join the labor force when the country is fully vaccinated and everyone feels safe going back to work. You think the issue is safety? I really don't think so. At least where I'm at. We were we were driving down to the range the other day and we rolled into a 7-Eleven and I was like, I wonder if they're going to make, make us wear masks as a sign saying you got to wear a mask. I look inside. None of the employees had masks on in a 7-Eleven. And I was like, well, look, when in Rome. So we just walked in and it was back to normal. Nothing out of the ordinary. The signs were apparently meaningless. I don't think these people were scared at all. Now, some people are still scared, sure. But I recently went to a farmer's market and there was a little old lady and she was selling pies, and she seemed pretty concerned, but there she was working. I don't think people are so scared they won't work. I think a lot of people don't want to work, and they're using it as an excuse. So no, I think Joe Biden is wrong. I think the spending 
is going to be making things worse. Which brings me to this weird, this, this weird story. I first want to show you this from the Austin American Statesman. Fact check, does Biden's climate plan include reducing red meat consumption to one burger per month? They say pants on fire. Apparently, it comes down to some report that said that we as Americans may have to reduce in a separate, I'll just read it. In a separate statement, co-authors Martin Heller and Gregory Keolian of the University of Michigan explained that one hypothetical scenario was that a 90% reduction in beef combined with a 50% reduction in other meats for saving you know, ourselves from the effects of climate change. This turned into somehow Joe Biden wanted to or was going to mandate. There's no, there's no mandate. But the climate activists absolutely do believe we should not be eating meat. In fact, I know tons of vegans who are vegan because it's wasteful to produce a lot of beef. It's true. Almonds as well. And there's more efficient things we can do. Now, if you live on a farm, small farms, totally fine. You put the cows, the cows do their thing. They drink the water. They have babies. But these big factory farms are very, very wasteful. And I'll tell you what's really crazy. What I just didn't believe when I first heard this. Most of the beef you get at the store is cloned meat. I had no idea. That's pretty gross. I'd rather have a cell cultured burger than cloned. And it's basically the same thing, right? But the cloning is just weird. It seems, I don't know, honestly, I probably wouldn't care to eat either. I'd rather eat cicadas than eat cloned meat. And apparently that's what they sell at the store. So maybe that's what I'm actually eating. But uh, I don't think there's any restaurants right now actually harvesting cicada. But here's the gross thing. There have been, there's been a wave of stories from the Washington Post. Can you eat cicadas? Yes. And here's the best way to catch, cook, and snack on them. I saw a story not that long ago about a guy who was at a party with his friends, and they were all, you know, drunk and stupid. Someone found a slug, and they were like, yo, I dare you to eat the slug. And he was like, I'll eat the slug. And he ate the slug, and now he's paralyzed because he got some kind of parasite in his nervous system or something. I don't know. I just know that you don't eat bugs off the ground. You probably can for the most part and be fine, I guess. But there's a reason why we have health standards in our food. Okay, you don't just eat random cow. It's got to go through some inspection process. And a lot of it's pretty gross. And I got to say, I go to the farm and I get farm fresh beef and it is it is done right. It is clean. It is delicious. And that's better. Grass fed beef. But people are advocating in media for you to go outside and eat cicadas off the ground. Now, that to me is really weird. I got no issue eating bugs. I got to be honest. I always thought fear factor was dumb when they're like, you know, they'd give people different parts of the animal that we don't normally eat. And I I remember one where they're like, you have to eat food. And people are like, oh, no, I have to eat food. It was like intestine or something. I'm like, bro, I've had intestine before. I've, I've had like intestine at a, at a, at a, a Mexican restaurant or something. I remember I was a lot. Of, it was a little chewy. I don't know, whatever. Meat's food. It's food's food. I've eaten liver before. Pretty sure I've had eyeball. It's thing. People eat it. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I've had bugs before. I've had like the, the crickets. I was like, in, I think it was in Mexico. I can't remember. And it's meaningless to me. The weird thing is how all of this news is coming out. And at the same time, we've got wave after wave of story telling people to eat bugs. You got the Washington Post. You got Axios eating insects, a sustainable protein source. We've got New York Daily News. Wondrous, fascinating, and tasty. Brood X cicadas are ready for their close-up and a walk. You got this one from BBC, a neglected protein-rich superfood. All of these stories coming out right now. Look at this one. The cicadas are coming. Let's eat them. No, don't eat bugs off the ground. Are you nuts? 
Why is the media telling people to walk up to a tree and catch a bug and eat it? You can get farmed crickets. They're done in a safe way. No parasites. You're not going to get any diseases or anything. But eating cicadas at the ground in D.C. sounds like a really, really bad idea. Man, they must be desperate. You go over to Google. Look at all of these stories. It, these, these, these aren't even all of them. I just Google searched it, and it's just like how to eat bugs. All recent stories, six days ago, four days ago, three days ago, four days ago, four weeks ago. All at the same time, they're telling us there's a shortage, there's shortages across the globe. There's fuel and energy shortages. There's worker shortages. Sounds like there's at least, I don't know, we can call it an emergent phenomenon. Meaning, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy that there's people in media being like, we're out of food, quick, tell people to eat bugs. No, it's an emergent phenomenon. Meaning, as the shortages take hold and people start asking, what do we do? People are like, wow, let's write about eating bugs. No one's really guiding it. It's just people are starting to realize we shut down the economy. We are paying people not to work. And then people start asking questions about how do you survive in a, in a shortage economy. And then you have a big story about brood X coming. There's going to be cicadas everywhere. Once every 17 years, they say. And now, apparently, they're like, uh, hey, can we eat them? Yes, we can eat them. I don't think it's intentional. I just think it's very, very strange. Now, for a lot of people, they're going to be freaking out because they don't want to eat bugs. Okay, I'll say it again. Uh, you're not going to get me to eat a bug off the ground, okay? I think store-bought factory farm meat is bad enough. That's why I like going to local farms. We got our own chickens. We're going to have our own eggs soon. I try to make sure that uh, uh, the food I eat is clean, prepared well, and so I don't get sick. But I guess the shortages are so bad, they want you to just walk up to a tree and grab a bug and eat it. That's, that's the line for me. I, I don't think that's safe. But hey, don't take medical advice from a guy on the internet. Why don't you go ask your doctors if it's safe to eat the bugs and you do what he says, I guess. Me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eat the cicadas. But uh, I got to be honest, I've never been a big beef person anyway. M m I like fish and chicken. But I think we're in trouble. I do. So you do what you got to do. Uh, I don't know if you should buy supplies or whatever you want to do. I just think expect things to get worse. And that's what Bloomberg said. The shortages will likely be getting worse. So you do what you got to do. Take care of yourself, your friends and your family. And I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Marxist ideology has been infecting our schools, our businesses, and our military. Now, I often don't say Marxist because it's not overtly Marxism. It's critical theory. It's leftist identitarianism. But it is rooted in Marxist thought. A Space Force commander has been fired for pointing this out in a book. Now, according to this commander, he went through all the legal channels, went, you know, did everything right because you, know, you got rules when you're serving in the armed forces and believed that he was OK to self-publish this book about Marxism in the military. Instead, he was fired. We see a lot of these uh, news stories popping up about January 6th. Every day, there's something new. There's more video. They won't stop talking about it. They're acting like it was the apocalypse, the great insurrection, when in reality it was, well, it was serious. And, you know, a lot of stupid people were violent and attacked cops, stormed their way in. But a lot of people were fanned in, invited in. And there's now videos showing some people even asked the police, is it OK if we come in? They said, yes, you're OK. And they came in. Why? Well, usually 
the Capitol and many of these buildings, you can go in in some capacity. I'm not going to pretend like you can just walk in whatever you want in this in the in the Senate and uh, congressional buildings. You can. The Capitol is a bit different. A lot of people had no idea, but the media needs to frame it this way. Well, following this story, you know, they're, they're making money of it. Obviously, there has been a review of extremism in the military. Apparently, there are National Guardsmen who had like Gadsden flags on their Facebook profile, things like that. And they were reassigned and taken out of D.C. Fears that hyperpolarization is infecting the military clearly exists from the left. Of course, they believe white supremacy is taking over all of our institutions, which is insane because it isn't because the right and the anti-woke, the disaffected liberals aren't doing all that much to combat the expansion of critical theory in our institutions. Well, here's a guy who at least, you know, rang some warning bells and Fort he's being fired. The funny thing is he's right. Marxism absolutely is infecting our institutions and our military. Now, I'll tell you what's crazy. I have from the military.com. I'll read you this story. There's some good news. His book has now become Amazon's number one bestseller after this story. People wanting to read about what's happening. But what do you think the media is saying about this guy? Well, let me first I have, I have military.com pulled up a reputable source and they just say over, you know, fired over his comments to crying Marxism in the military. Take a look at this from the Daily Beast. Space Force commander with penchant for conspiracy theories fired. Really? And what does this link to? It links to military.com. Did military.com label it as a conspiracy theory guy? As him? As a No. So where did the Daily Beast decide to put in this conspiracy theory? They're trying to discredit him. Why? Because he is correct. How about the Washington Post? Commander of Space Force Unit fired after accusing the military of pushing an agenda rooted in Marxism. They say it carries a book with a conspiratorial title. And purportedly an urgent message, a Marxist plot is afoot to infiltrate the military and overthrow the U.S. government, it alleges. Is it a conspiracy theory when they're literally doing these things every day and we know it is Marxism? Sure. Let me show you. Just pop over to good old Wikipedia and you can pull up critical theory. And it says critical theory is a Marxist approach to social philosophy that focuses on reflective assessment and critique of society and culture in order to reveal and challenge power structures. It's also part of a series on the Frankfurt School. So critical race theory, critical gender theory. You get the point. We know that this stuff is rooted in Marxism. Now, again, the reason I don't say Marxism is most people don't understand it. Most people view that word as just a political buzzword with little meaning. And it sounds just like extreme, you know, like accusatory, like you're a communist. It doesn't mean much to people. The specific thing that we're criticizing is Marxian and its critical theory or leftist identitarianism. You get the point. Regular people might not be familiar with that. And you can also use identitarianism to explain why their ideology being racist is overlapping in some areas with actual white supremacists using race to to uh, determine policy. Not a good idea. Now, we have like a negative approach to that, meaning we have policy based on race, but it's usually like you can't discriminate on the basis of race. Let's take a look at what the Space Force dude is saying and what's happening. Military.com reports a commander of a U.S. Space Force unit tasked with detecting ballistic missiles, missile launches, has been fired for comments made during a podcast promoting his new book, which claims Marxist ideologies are becoming prevalent in the U.S. military. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, 
commander of the 11th Space Warning Squadron at Buckley Air Force Base, Colorado, was relieved from his post Friday by Lieutenant General Stephen Whiting, the head of Space Force Operations Command, over a loss of confidence in his ability to lead, Military.com has exclusively learned. When you come out and you say, hey, you know that critical race theory stuff they're teaching? That's Marxist. And then you're fired for it. It's kind of an indication you may be right. Now, maybe they're just like, we don't want politics here. Okay, please. You, you're, the whole institutions are political. They're teaching people this crazy political ideology. And when you criticize their politics, they fire you. Yeah, maybe he's right. Quote, the decision was based on public comments made by Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer in a recent podcast, a Space Force spokesperson said in an email, Lieutenant General Whiting has initiated a command directed investigation on whether these comments constituted prohibited partisan political activity, kind of like literally teaching leftist ideology in the military. But who's going to do anything about that? Not this coward, this Whiting guy. What a loser. Lohmeyer's temporary assignment in the wake of his removal was not immediately clear. Earlier this month, Lohmeyer, a former instructor and fighter pilot who transferred into the Space Force, self-published a book titled Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal of Conquest and the Unmaking of the American Military. Quote, Irresistible Revolution is a timely and bold contribution from an active duty Space Force lieutenant colonel who sees the impact of a neo-Marxist agenda at the ground level within our armed forces. A description of the book reads, Lohmeyer sat down last week with L. Todd Wood of the podcast Information Operation, hosted by Creative Destruction or CD Media, to promote the book. He spoke about U.S. institutions, including universities, media, and federal agencies, including the military, that he said are increasingly adopting leftist practices. These practices, such as diversity and, incl- uh, diversity and inclusion training, are the systemic cause for the divisive climate across America today, he said, and he is correct. It has been that way since the start of the culture war. Now, the culture war may have started a long, long time ago, but the modern iteration probably started with Gamergate, and it had to do a lot with people just wanting to play video games where you have some ridiculously ripped guy with a hammer and he's smashing bricks and, you know, kicking turtles or, you know, shooting guns or whatever. And then all of a sudden they were getting these these woke narratives about critical theory and identity, and they demonized, you know, the, the, the privileged, the oppressors. Well, people got mad about it. They complained about it. And the media went nuts to smear and defame and and strike these people down. This is where it started expanding. People didn't want to indulge in this ridiculous cult ideology, which is overtly racist. And unfortunately for many of these people, the media seems to have been infected first. Now, probably came from the the colleges, the institutions. But a lot of these young people working in these media outlets, here we go. They say, from his perspective as a commander, Lohmeyer said he didn't seek to criticize any particular senior leader or publicly identify troops within the book. Rather, he said, he focused on the policies service members now have to adhere to, to align with certain agendas that are now affecting our culture. Regarding Defense Secretary Lloyd Lloyd Austin, he said, I don't demonize the man, but I want to make it clear to both him and every service member, this diversity and inclusion agenda, it will divide us, it will not unify us. Austin, on February 5th, ordered all military service services to observe one day stand down, uh, uh, stand down on extremism in the ranks. As part of his stand down, Lohmeyer said he was given a booklet that, that cited the January 6th riot at the Capitol as an example of extremism, but did not mention the civil disobedience and destruction of property that took place following the death of George Floyd. He also took issue with the Pentagon spokesperson seeming to allude to Press Secretary John Kirby. 
Lohmeyer claimed Kirby said there are too many white pilots amid an ever increasing pilot shortage. If you want to provide that kind of messaging to your already struggling pilot force, you can already expect to see further retention problems. In a statement Friday, Kirby denied ever saying such a thing about a surplus of white pilots and pointed to Austin's comments made last week during his first press conference about the importance of increased diversity programs. And see, this is where he proves it. Now, the left lies. The media lies. They'll tell you it's, it's a diversity program. It's, it's, it's teaching people not to be racist. When in reality, they're overtly racist, saying this race is bad and this race is good and this race are, are evil oppressors. Yeah, that's, that's racist. And when you point that out, they say, no, no, it's just diversity training. So when they say they want to train people on critical theory, the media comes out and says they oppose diversity trainings. Sure. They say, this department has an open door to any qualified American who wants to serve. The defense secretary said on May 6th, diversity throughout the force is a source of strength. We can't afford to deprive ourselves of the talents and the voices of the full range of a nation that we defend. But who's saying we shouldn't have black, Asian, Latino pilots? The point is, they say in these trainings, white people are oppressors. White people are bad. Quote, I was apprised of the option to have my book reviewed at the Pentagon's pre-publication and security review prior to release, but was also informed that it was not required, Lohmeyer said in an email. My intent never has been to engage in partisan politics. I have written a book about a particular political ideology, Marxism, in the hope that our defense department might return to being politically nonpartisan in the future, as it has honorably done throughout history. And there's the point. When this guy comes out and says, our military has become partisan, and they fire him because of it, claiming he's partisan. No, uh, he pointed out, the book said January 6th, doesn't mention Black Lives Matter, it's partisan. They fired him. He said the book is available on Amazon and on Lohmeyer's website and Barnes and Noble. Prior to transferring into space operations, specifically space-based missile warning, Lohmeyer spent over 14 years in the Air Force. His Air Force career included instructor pilot training on the T-38 Talon jet and timed flying for the F-15C Eagle, according to biographical information listed on his book cover. He graduated from the Air Force Academy in 2006, and they go on to mention a bit more, a bit more about his history. Lohmeyer told Wood, the podcast host, that the beginning chapters of his book explore the history and foundation of the U.S. and how critical race theory, a study of how race and racism impact or are impacted by social and economic power structures, plays a role. The diversity, inclusion, and equity industry and the trainings we are receiving in the military is rooted in critical race theory, which is rooted in Marxism, Lohmeyer said, adding it should be seen as a warning sign. In the segment, Lohmeyer said his book is not political and is meant to alert readers to the increasing politicization of today's armed forces, some of which he said he'd seen or experienced firsthand. There are Defense Department policies that spell out all the nuanced do's and don'ts surrounding politics or political discourse for active duty service members, said Jim Golby, a senior fellow at Clements Center for National Security at the University of Texas at Austin, who specializes in civil military relations and military strategy. For a self-published work, policies that may apply include DOD Directive 1344, 10.10, uh, and associated guidelines discussing political activity in uniform. According to the service's standards, personnel may express their views freely, but they are still expected to uphold the branch's core values both on and off duty. Those are fairly broad and would not prevent publication, but might impose some minor limitations on content, Golby said Friday. Also, policies associated with a service member's security clearance or policy-related access are usually covered by a non-disclosure agreement or a clearance read-in agreement. 
The Defense Office of Prepublication and Security Review, for example, requires all current, former, and retired Defense Department employees, contractors, and military service members, whether active or reserve, who had access to to DOD information facilities or who signed an NDA to submit DOD information intended for public release to the appropriate office for review and clearance. So we get it. They go on to say, we don't have a voice anymore. While a major, Lohmeyer attended the Air Command and Staff College, where he published The Better Mind of Space. The paper explores the U.S. military's role in space beyond geosynchronous Earth orbit. In the Information Operation podcast, Lohmeyer said his fascination with Marxism began after that, when he was pursuing his second master's degree in philosophy in military strategy at the Air University School of Advanced Air and Space Studies. All my interactions with senior leaders in the Air Force and, uh, and in the Space Force have been very positive. They care a great deal about the people and the lethality of force, <clears throat> excuse me, Lohmeyer said during a 30 minute, 34 minute interview. However, leaders may be afraid if they don't get on board with diversity training, they will face scrutiny or might not get promoted. He said, adding that liberal ideas are welcomed, whereas ideas for more conservative voices are criticized or silenced. I think you get the point. So obviously I can show you mainstream media is already claiming this guy's a conspiracy theorist. This guy's book is now number one on Amazon. But I want to explain to you the severity of the psychosis permeating our culture beyond just the military. You need to understand the military is probably the most important in terms of institutions that are infected. Now, let me slow down. Let me let me let me do this. When I when I I, for those that listen to all my videos, you've heard me mention this. But for those that, that don't in 2018, when we were seeing political violence in the streets, I had said it looks like civil war is is possible. It was it was it was aligned political factions fighting with each other around the country. And I've had many people say, oh, it's just some random political weirdos fighting in the street. This happens. I said, what do you think happens when the culture war reaches the highest levels of government, when it enters our intelligence agencies, when it gets into Congress, when it gets into the military? And I had a lot of people say that's not going to happen. The security state won't allow it. Here it is. So one of two things at this point can happen. Critical theory which is a Marxist ideology, the Frankfurt School, has infected these institutions. We have spineless cowards at the top of our military institutions who are too scared to speak up. Isn't it kind of funny? It's easier for someone to go into war to engage in a firefight than it is for them to challenge unpopular ideas. If you march along with the mob and they march off the cliff, you go right with them. Well, so one of two things may happen. This could result in people who are anti critical race theory, anti-woke, being purged and removed or quitting or retiring. And I've already heard stories of people who have done that. I recently met someone who said they were on track for a great military career. And because of this wokeness, they decided to get out and go contract or do something else. That leaves only the woke in the military. It's a soft revolution. So long as the good military officers and personnel keep resigning because they don't want to be involved in this, then eventually you will have a Marxist military. Seriously, that's it. The military will be Marxist. Perhaps the, uh, the smartest thing that could happen is the chain of command resisting this. I don't know what else, to, what else someone could do other than getting a commission or enlisting and then rejecting these ideas. But when you got a chain of command, the problem is our chain of command are weak, spineless cowards. So they're accepting all of this. In fact, many of them probably just support it. So there you go. So again, one of two things may happen. The first, the Marxists take over because many, are, many individuals resign. The second is a fight. Uh, a lot of people who reject wokeness and critical theory will stand up, resist it, and then you will get a fracturing in the armed forces, and that will lend itself to factional violence. 
That can still happen if the Marxists take over the military, because a lot of these military guys, they're all friends with each other. When they get out, they don't just stop talking to their friends. I mean, some people probably lose touch. But then you will have the U.S. government being a Marxist military force. And then you will have a ton of former military who are pushing back, which is what we saw on January 6th. Again, a lot of stupid people getting into fights in that capacity. But I suppose the issue is there's an imbalance right now. For now, there are too many people who are suckling the teat and licking the boots of the Marxists. These police officers in Minneapolis, for instance, like that, 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 that woman who shot Dante Wright, she had every opportunity to leave and stand up and reject the critical theory infecting local government. Instead, she decided to drop to her knees and lick their feet. So you know what? Sorry, prison. Bye-bye. You want to lick the feet of, of the critical theorists and the extremists? And then you want me to protect you when they go and throw you in jail? No, no. Let me tell you something. If one of these gun control leftists were, you know, in the middle of a riot and called me for help, please, please come up. I'd be like, sorry, you are the one who didn't want weapons. What do you want me to do? Use my, I got to defend my house and my family. I'm not going to run to your aid. And there you go. These cops and service members who are like, I'm just going to do as I'm told and, you know, whatever. I don't want to lose my job or go to jail. I'm just going to I'm just going to obey illegal orders and, and racist and violations of U.S. law. OK, then you want to lick their feet. I'm not going to defend you. I'll tell you this. If there was somebody in, in, you know, a high ranking person and they were ordered to do one of these critical theory trainings, which clearly violates the law, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, I'm assuming, you know, military starts to follow a lot of that stuff. Telling people that white people are racist or oppressors is it is, is it racial discrimination, gender ideology, men are oppressors, also gender discrimination. If they want to engage in this illegal activity, okay, then I'm not going to defend you because you broke the law and then you're upset when they come and eat you alive. But if someone says, I refuse to engage in illegal activity, well, then you better believe I, as well as many others, are going to stand up and say this person did the right thing and we're going to defend them. Maybe it's not enough, though. Maybe it's not enough because there's just too many cowards. For every one brave person who will speak up, there's 10 cowards who will lick the feet of the extremists. And that's the problem we're facing right now. I don't know how we overcome it. We can keep speaking up. But uh, this lieutenant colonel speaking up is excellent. Good for him. And now he's being heavily rewarded because of it. His book is now number one on Amazon. Congratulations. You deserve it. People need to hear about what's going on. And you see the people who stand up are cheered for. Do you want to be a hero to the lemmings who don't pay attention, don't know or don't care about you and will throw you under the bus at a moment's notice? Or do you want to be the hero to those who are fighting for freedom, for truth, for justice and honestly, the law? Now, we can talk about, you know, police right now taking people's guns and violating the Constitution. But these diversity trainings are illegal. They violate the 1964 Civil Rights Act. It is illegal discrimination. So if you want to be in the military and you want to push that, well, you're breaking the law. And I think you should be prosecuted, especially the military. Right. I, I get if they sue in the police department saying they're, they're racist and discriminating and then the department has to you know, pay for it. But if you're in the military and you're doing this and you're and you're indoctrinating people in violation of the law. You got it. You got it. I don't know how it works in that capacity, but who's going to sue? No, that's got to be that's that's got that's criminal. It's all criminal, in my opinion. We fought so hard to end racism. And now all of these spineless losers are just, well, I'll just do whatever they tell me. You know, this makes me very pessimistic. You know why? The men and women in uniform who are embracing this psychotic ideology are clearly showing themselves to be either insane or cowards. 
And if our military is being run by feckless individuals, cowards or lunatics, then we're screwed, man. Isn't it? That's just it. How do, how do you how can you expect any one of these these people to lead a battle when they're this cowardly? I mean, you can't. So why would somebody want to enlist into that? Why would someone want to take a commission to join that? Again, I'm hearing stories where people are saying I'm retiring, that people who are excited to be a career, you know, career military service member. Now they're like, I'm out. Yeah, because you don't want to be led by cowards. System's broken. We're in trouble. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I'll see you all then. I'd like to give a congratulations to the people of Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. This is the town where Dante Wright was from. He was shot and killed by that officer during the Chauvin trial, you may recall. Now, for those that aren't familiar with where Brooklyn Center is, it's basically Minneapolis. You can see we got Minneapolis right here, and then right up here we got Brooklyn Center. All right. Well, they've just passed a police reform package proving that terror and extremism works because even though Minneapolis has already suffered the effects of defunding their police and are desperately trying to re-fund their police, the left still wins political victories and they're still now going to be reforming police in Brooklyn Center. This includes like an unarmed unit that would respond to certain cases. Now, I'm for certain reforms. The problem is I don't trust the reforms they're putting into place because, well, when they tried it last time, it's not working. They need to do something different. And more importantly, you don't negotiate with people engaged in terror. All they've shown is that it's going to get worse. Crime in Minneapolis continues to skyrocket. They're trying to get more cops out there. They're trying to do new programs. It's not working because apparently when you throw a wrench in the spokes and destroy the machine, it's really hard to get the machine churning again. And people know the police are overwhelmed and no amount of money is going to change that. So I wonder when I see these stories, I'm like, can human beings actually learn? And the answer is not in the immediate. It's interesting. I was thinking about invention the other day about how it is that we just have certain things like, you know, you go buy a car and the car's got all this awesome stuff in it. Certainly, the car wasn't invented as it is. Or, you know, let's use the toaster as a better example. The first toaster was just like a metal stick and they held the bread in the fire. And then somebody was like, what if we make the stick a basket to hold the bread? And then, you know, so on. You, you get the point. Eventually, somebody's like, let's make a metal box with electric things in it. Over time, the toaster just evolved. People added a little bit to it. There was no moment where someone in, you know, like 1300 AD was like, I'm going to make an electric toaster with a metal frame because everything else needs to exist and slowly come together. Long story short, we stand on the shoulders of giants so humans can learn in the long term. In the short term, apparently we're not that good at it. Well, OK, that's not fair. We're pretty good at it. But for some reason, this is what you get. Star Tribune reports Brooklyn Center passes police reform package. Great. This will make everything better. I say sarcastically. Hope you got that one. The Brooklyn Center City Council voted four to one Saturday to pass a package of sweeping reforms to its public safety system. What the city's mayor called a new North Star for policing. One month after an officer fatally shot an unarmed man during a traffic stop. I love how they do that. An unarmed man. Are they referring to Dante Wright? Maybe not. Somebody else. The proposals will remake the city's police force with more independent oversight, prohibit arrests for low-level offenses, and use unarmed civilians to handle minor traffic violations. 
The reforms also will make a new city department to oversee public safety. I am I am so excited for this one. Unarmed civilians to handle minor traffic violations. Well, I tell you one of two things will be likely. The first is unarmed civilian dotes on up to a car and they're like, excuse me, sir, I'm the unarmed civilian to give you a ticket. And they go, get out of here. And they drive off. I'm not stopping for you. What can you do? What powers do you have? Maybe then they'll get reported and the person will just say, I don't know who this unarmed civilian guy is. Something else might happen. The unarmed civilian walks up and says, you, we need to deal with your minor traffic violation. And the guy goes, okay, pop, pop. Because that happens. Not all the time. People are not crazy, but it happens. Dante Wright was wanted on a felony warrant for aggravated assault. So what happens when one of these unarmed civilians is like, that guy just it made an improper lane change and pulls him over. I guess they're going to have lights. How are they going to do it? Let's say they do. And then they walk up and the guy just says, I ain't playing around and then draws on the unarmed guy. I don't got a gun. I don't got a gun. They ain't gonna, they're not going to care. You're, you, you know what's going to happen? This is what these people don't seem to understand. Why would a felon on the lam shoot somebody like a cop? Because the cop is going to walk to their vehicle and radio for help and say, license plate number, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six was just pulled over. Here's the person's name. So this guy is getting pulled over is going, "Uh oh, they found me. And this unarmed civilian is going to be like, pardon me, sir, I couldn't help but realize. And the guy's going to say, the moment you go in and file this paperwork, they're going to be out looking for me. You know, it's easier. They will just shoot the person because then no one knows who did it or where they did it. So maybe these unarmed civilians will have body cameras and that'll help. But people do this stuff, man. That's why police are armed in the first place. It's like it's like these leftists think that cops are armed just for the sake of like hunting people down and killing them. They say, quote, I'm sorry, I read that already. They say council members Marquita Butler, April Graves and Dan Ryan joined Elliott in voting for the resolution. Council member Chris Lawrence Anderson was the sole no vote. She was not present, but said over Zoom that the council hadn't taken enough time on the proposal. She's right. The three-hour meeting included testimony from the families of Dante Wright and Kobe Demock Heisler, two men who were killed by Brooklyn Center police and whose stories have pressured politicians into seeking changes. 34 days ago, our son on April 11th was murdered, said Katie Wright, Dante's mother. I truly believe if this was implemented prior to April 11th, our son would still be with us today. Your son reportedly tried to steal hundreds of dollars from a woman showing off his gun. That's the story I read. I don't know the full details. He was wanted on a warrant for felony aggravated assault. You think he'd still be here? Why? Because he would have escaped from the person who pulled him over? Perhaps. Is that what these people want? Like with the Jacob Blake story is, is particularly interesting. This guy was accused of like assaulting the woman, you know, at this home in her bed, if you know what I mean. Is that what the feminists want? They want these people to just walk away after committing very serious crimes. Apparently, that's what they want. Former Brooklyn Center officer Kimberly Potter has been charged with second degree manslaughter in Wright's death. The killing ignited a week of sustained protests outside the police station and a backlash against minor traffic stops or pretext stops that disproportionately affect drivers of color. If a cop is going to make up a reason for pulling someone over, that's BS. If you actually violate the law and you get pulled over, that's normal. 
So what's the issue? Instead of just saying, stop pulling people over for BS reasons, they're saying, we're just not going to not, you just can't pull people over, period, for low level reasons. All right, well, stop signs are meaningless. Can't pull you over for it. So who cares about stop signs? Uh, what, what about traffic lights? That's low level, right? Oh no, someone blew a red light, can't pull them over. So you're not going to give people tickets anymore? You see where we go? This is how they defund the police. And it's not all bad. I'll tell you this. A lot of, a lot of police departments make money, cities make money off of traffic tickets. They pull you over, they give you a ticket, they make money. They actually calculate that in their yearly budgets. So you know what? Good. But this is how they defund the police. At this point, I don't even care all that much. These cops who want to stay on and stay in a burning building, don't expect me to come to your, to your rescue when you are licking the boots of these corrupt politicians. You have corrupt politicians who are pushing insane ideology, and these cops who stay are like, I'm helping as they lick the boots of the woke cultists and the corrupt Democrats. So no, I'm not going to defend you, you bootlicker. Law enforcement officials have criticized Elliot's proposals, especially the idea of unarmed people making traffic stops. Hey, whatever. The mayor failed to consult the Law Enforcement Labor Services Police Union before introducing the reforms, said Jim Mortensen, executive director of the 6400 member union. No police officer spoke publicly at the meeting Saturday. The action will create a community safety and violence prevention office, which would oversee the city's police, fire, and two new city departments, traffic enforcement and community response. It also revolves, uh, resolves to create a committee which would include residents who have been detained by Brooklyn Center Police to review and make recommendations on such matters as police response to protests and the collective bargaining agreement between the city and police. I'm totally fine with that. That's the kind of stuff I think we could use. Civilians who are on an oversight board, who review cases and then make determinations. But uh, sending out unarmed people to enforce traffic violations, that is going to get bad to say the least. I think mostly people will just escape. You know what I mean? Like you pull somebody over and they're like, who are you? I'm the unarmed civilian here to give you a, oh, oh he's gone. What do I do? You're going to chase him down? Nah. What are you going to do? You're going to do nothing. You're going to do nothing. They say the resolution will direct the city manager to implement a policy requiring officers to issue citations by mail rather than arrests for non-moving traffic infractions and non-felony offenses and warrants unless required by law. Okay. All right. All right. I'll give him that one. That one's smarter. Someone, I guess the problem, well, I guess the problem's on you. You blow a stop sign. The guy's going to write your t plate down and they'll mail you a ticket. Why don't we do that already? That makes way more sense, I guess. I suppose the problem is then, you know, what if you didn't really blow a stop sign and they just lie, then you challenge it and then you win and you waste everyone's time. This might result in more money for the government. Maybe that's the plan because now these unarmed people could just be like the didn't lane change properly and you blew a light and that wasn't yellow. It just turned red and that was a stop sign. You didn't stop long enough and they'll just start doling out these tickets, right? Then what? Then the oversight committee comes in and says, why is everybody getting all these tickets? This is crazy. I think you're going to see a lot more tickets. It's time, said Butler. We've been talking about these reforms for quite a while. What well, more specifically since last June after the, death, after the death of George Floyd, and we didn't have as much urgency around it as we probably should have. U.S. Rep. Ilan Omar sent prepared remarks to the city council supporting the reforms. Let's get this done. She said in recent remarks, we owe it to Dante. Dozens of citizens spoke at the meeting. One resident said she was concerned about the rise of violence and that street crime that gave her reason to fear for her safety. She said she supports change, but not at the expense of police. 
Another said she would like to be part of the oversight committee, but feared her voice would not be welcome as a white conservative woman. Oh, you're right about that. In one tense moment, a man said he didn't agree with having unarmed people pull over drivers. He then turned to right and said, your son was killed not because of a traffic stop in my mind, but because he had warrants. The crowd booed, drowning out his comments. You're being disrespectful, they shouted. Oh, no, disrespectful. Shut up, you whiny cowards. A group moved the man away from the podium and Elliot apologized to Wright on behalf of the man who didn't give his name. Bravo to that guy speaking up and standing up. Good man. Several black residents spoke about being racially profiled or of turning on the news and seeing a story about a police officer shooting someone and fearing the victim was a family member. The changes we are talking about while uh, about will take a while. And we have no more time to wait, said Amidia Dimock, the mother of Dimock Heisler. Please, please. And we will work with you every step of the way. But please do this. Please vote yes. Brooklyn Center officers shot Dimock Heisler in 2019 after responding to a mental health call. Dimock Heisler's grandfather called police after he's uh, the man who had autism, grabbed the knife and feared might hurt himself. Dimock has been instrumental in convincing lawmakers to change laws, including mandating autism training for police across Minnesota. Dimock said she believed her son may be alive if the changes had been in place then. I'll tell you this. We need more funding for police, and I believe social workers would help a whole lot. The problem is the left's MO is anything but actually helping. It's dismantling and destroying. They don't want police. They want to be the police. Here's what would be great. You get a mental health call. A squad car pulls up. And another squad car pulls up. One is mental health, social workers unit, and one is your standard beat cop. The beat cops play backburner. They say, you guys got this. And the social workers attempt to defuse a potentially violent situation or a, you know, with someone who's mentally unwell. If it escalates to deadly force and the social workers retreat, the regular officers can move in. There's probably a lot of uh, holes in this. There's probably a lot of people are going to say, here's why that wouldn't work. Here's the problem. And, you know, but I'm uh, but I'm trying to think of appropriate solutions. And I think no matter what you come up with, you're going to need more funding for cops. The reason I think the social workers think could work is if you got someone who's mentally unwell brandishing a knife, you got to send in cops and they're going to they're going to be able to defend themselves. And this guy has got a knife and he's and he's lunging at somebody who's doing something. He's going to get shot. So how do you deal with it? Well, we can't have unwell people running around with knives. It's crazy. So if you have a call, because there, there have been some calls where it's like a mentally, uh, 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 an autistic man is like sitting in the middle of the street and people have been shot like that. Social workers can come in and try and deal with it. And if it escalates, you have the backup cops there as well. Anyway, I digress. That, re- that, that requires more training, more funding, new hires. That won't work if you keep firing and defunding the police. That's why I think the left's real goal is just to absolutely demolish the police policing as we know it. At this point, I think we should. You've probably heard me say it if you watch my videos, but I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. I believe any reasonable uh, uh, conservative, and I, I use conservative because they tend to be the ones supporting cops, will be able to defend themselves and take care of themselves and likely would keep in bare arms. Hey, look, if there's no cops, ain't nobody's going to infringe on your right to keep and bear arms. And if someone tries to threaten your life, whatever, then you can defend yourself. The left is not dismantling the police department completely. They're replacing it with their woke ideologues. Good cops are fleeing 
because they don't want to do this. And the bad cops are staying. Now, what are we getting? Well, after a wave of serious crime, a girl jumping on a trampoline was shot in, in, in Minneapolis. Shooting of boy in Minneapolis sparks concern. They're desperately trying to bring more funding back. From Fox 9, Minneapolis leaders air frustrations over recent crime. Residents just want action. I hear you. Cunning, uh, they say, with violence in Minneapolis on the rise, more and more people are shouting with frustration that it has to stop. Now a war of words has unfolded between Ward 4 Council Member Felipe Cunningham and Mayor Jacob Fry. Cunningham posted a letter to the mayor on his Facebook page, laying blame on the mayor for not having a plan to stop the violence. The letter reads in part, quote, I cannot try to solve this gun violence all by myself. We cannot wait until we have 600 more officers or even just the 200 who have left since last year before something is done. Why are black lives in North Minneapolis not being prioritized urgently? So here's what happens. They're not going to they're not going to abolish the police. They voted to. And all of a sudden, more money came in to bring more cops in. Six hundred. Two hundred cops left. You know what that means those 200 cops are good cops. Isn't that sad? They don't want to enforce unjust laws. They don't want to be bullied or beaten down. So they quit. 600 new cops are going to come in. And these are going to be the kind that are scum because the good cops aren't going to take these jobs. The scumbag cops are going to walk in and be like, I'll do anything for money. And then they're going to tell you uh, these cops to do unjust things. They're going to say protect Antifa and they're going to go, you got it, boss, anything for money. And they're going to watch their community burn to the ground. The left isn't going to get rid of the police department. Now, here's what happens. You law abiding citizen, you would like to have a firearm for self-defense. But but for some reason, the government has infringed upon your right to keep and bear arms. And you can't. And these dirty cops will absolutely arrest you. In fact, we just had a unanimous Supreme Court decision. This is interesting. This guy had, a, a, you know, his wife got in a fight with him. Cops show up the next day and they ask him to go to the hospital for a mental health check. And he said he would, but don't go in his house and take his guns. And they said, you got a bus. The guy gets in the, in the ambulance and goes to the hospital. Cops go in his house, steal all his guns. Supreme Court ruled it was unconstitutional. Nine to zero, a unanimous ruling. You can't just go in someone's house and take their stuff. But who were these cops? Who were these cops? They were like, let's take his guns. You see, you see this? You know, people often talk about, I, I remember seeing something recently. They're like, there is never going to be a point where someone shows up and just takes your guns. Lie. Think about what they're saying about the right after the Capitol, that they're extremists, that they're mentally unwell. Now we have red flag laws. The Supreme Court ruling may end red flag laws. However, red flag laws still require warrants. This story was about warrantless seizure. So with the warrant, they can come and take your guns. And then people say they're not going to just come and take your guns away. And then one day someone shows up and says, you, you posted something on the Internet that was, you know, it was a Gadsden flag. And that's far right extremism. So we're serving you a red flag a warrant. We're going to take your guns now. And then we'll determine if you uh, are, are, are sane. What happens if they just take all the ammo. So your guns are useless. The point is, they will come and take your guns. It's just not going to be like the bills pass and guns are banned and then they go door to door taking guns. It's going to be one at a time. It's going to be mental health checkups. And they're going to get warrants to do it. Those cops will take away your right to defend yourself and they will smile and wave as Black Lives Matter burns down yet another building and kills more people and Antifa. 
And that's what happens now if the police department stays as it is. They stripped out the good cops. Now they're reflating it back up with bad cops. Don't let them subvert your community. You know, it's funny. There's a meme where it's like, you know, from McCarthy's like, I warned that, you know, Hollywood was being overrun by communists and you didn't believe me. Do you think they're just going to like walk in the police department, apply for a job and that's it? Or do you think that they're going to purge the ranks through political pressure? And now that they're desperate for officers and good cops don't want to work, they know the bad cops will walk right in and take up those jobs basically like scabs. You know, scab is like somebody who breaks a union picket line. The cops that are going to take these jobs are going to be bad, bad cops. And you're going to get a mayor who's going to be like, take his guns. And they're going to be like, okay, I don't care. I've talked to many cops. People who own guns know this. They'll give you bad advice. And many of them are often pretty bad when it comes to gun rights. They don't care about you. They don't care about your rights. And in the Supreme Court case, they go into the guy's home and took his guns away. That's what freaks me out about this. That's why I think if there's one thing I learned, you better stop defending the police departments because the left certainly, interestingly, is. Now, not in the way you might think. They're not coming out and saying back the blue. But they're cheering for cops when their enemies are arrested. They're calling for reforms and more funding. And they're going to put in their awful criminal people who will violate your rights. And there will be nothing you can do to stop it at that point because you'll be disarmed and the rioters won't be. And when the rioters show up to your house and throw a brick through the window, the cops are going to be like, it's a peaceful protest. And then you're on your own. But I, I, I firmly believe the Brooklyn Center stuff will backfire. They'll, they'll eat this one up. The people in Brooklyn Center who are, who are you know, not paying attention will eventually pay attention. But maybe it'll, maybe it'll be too late. People in America need to be paying attention to what's going on. And that's another reason I think we, shouldn't, we should just abolish the police at this point. Give the left what they've asked for. Defend yourself. And all of these ignorant liberals who don't pay attention to the media will be forced to reckon with what they've been supporting. Stop picking up the slack for them. You don't need their support and you don't need the police to protect yourself. It's preferable. I get it. But I'm confident in all of you. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.